Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Health Show. To the Eating Recovery Center, disordered eating is not a modern concept. In the late 1600s, an English physician coined the term wasting disease, later known as anorexia. In early treatments, physicians believed in separating patients from their parents would cure the eating disorder. This is still a part of an inpatient treatment or eating disorders, only now it is in conjunction with family therapy. In the 1980s, eating disorders were discussed openly due to celebrities like Diana, Princess of Wales, media icon, Oprah Winfrey. Bench eating disorder was recognized as its own disorder in 2013 in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual known as the DSM-5. Eating disorder treatment currently blends cognitive dialectical and family therapies to support the patient in reaching a healthy relationship with food. To eat or not to eat, is that the question? Diets are not a new phenomenon. The earliest accounts of dieting for weight loss can be traced to the 1800s with water and vinegar diets. Lord Byron popularized drinking water and apple cider vinegar to keep a healthy weight. You know what? I think I saw that on a Pinterest board. Some things never change. In the 20th century, with the invention of mass media, the pressure to eat right changed with the times. In the 1920s, Lucky Strikes told women to reach for a cigarette to suppress their their appetite. The grapefruit diet encouraged eating a grapefruit with every meal in the 1930s. In the 1950s, it brought the cabbage soup diet and the tapeworm diet. Yes, a tapeworm was said to help a famous opera singer drop 65 pounds after eating a parasite in a peel. In the 1960s, post-World War II America saw the beginning of widespread obesity for the first time, possibly linked to the invention of fast food chains like McDonald's, convenience foods like TV dinners. Quick food meant quick weight gain. Weight Watchers sought to help the American woman watch her figure with a community and point system. Since then, we've had the cookie diet, the slim fast or the slim slow, as we used to say, the Atkins diet, the Zone diet, the South Beach diet, and my favorite keto diet. Don't forget diet soda, diet pills, liquid cleanse, and enemas, the things we do to look good. This month, we look to explore the impact of food on our mental health and the impact of mental health of how we see food. I'm Dr. Ken. I'm Nayetta, and you're listening to The Health Show, Series 3, The History of Mental Health. According to the National Institutes of Health, the $80 billion weight loss industry results in nearly a 98% failure rate in keeping weight off. Nutritionists, like our guests, seek to support patients in maintaining a healthy lifestyle with no gimmicks. Good therapy is a phone call away. The Renfrew Center now offers a new virtual therapy group for young ladies ages 12 and over in Texas who struggle with disordered eating or who are working towards recovery from an eating disorder. The online virtual therapy group actively engages participants with each other to explore the emotions and rational functions of their disordered eating. Individuals who've also developed strategies to improve the communication skills and achieve recovery-focused goals. This therapy group is held Wednesday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. and is facilitated by Kirsten Rapstein. 
L-P-C-S-C-E-D-S-S. Participants must reside in Texas and follow by an outpatient therapist. For more information or to schedule a virtual assessment, please contact Renfrew. And that's at 1-800-RENFREW. That's 1-800-736-3793. And tell them the Help Show sent you. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. So today, we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Kirsten Rapstein. She is an LPCS Certified Eating Disorder Specialist Supervisor. Um, first of all, I want everybody to know this is a Sunday, okay? <laughs> so this is a big deal, okay? <laughs> so here at The Help Show, Help Show we want to we thank you. We call it the TTT. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm actually here with... Also, our co-host, Dr. Ken. Um, he is our new co-host for this quarter. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Roger. Ken, i got to get it together. Well, thank you for having me. Man. I appreciate <laughs> it. It's good being here. <laughs> you guys, I'm going to probably say Dr. Rogers like three times. And then, you know, we'll get Ken right. But let's get it back to um, to Kirsten. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you, TTT. And so first of all, um, we want to, can you tell us about yourself and how you came to work with eating disorder? Absolutely. Kirsten. And thank you for having me. I'm absolutely honored to be here. So, so glad I got the call from you guys. Um, so it was a happy accident, basically. Um, I... Um, initially went into counseling because I wanted to work with end-of-life issues in the uh, gerontology population. I wanted to work with old folks and just I felt like they deserved a tremendous amount of of attention, love, and respect from us. And I've always just kind of like old things and things with character. And um, I, I've, I just have always been kind of drawn to older people. So um, I, I went into counseling thinking I would I would just uh, focus on them. And I did work um, with the with with them for about a year and a half, two years and a really wonderful um, uh, a really wonderful group uh, that is no longer with us. Uh, the, the hospital funding went away. It was called the Heritage Program um, where we brought old folks in and we uh, did group therapy and end of life issues and it was just really wonderful. Um, but around the time that the funding for that program went away, um, the Renfrew Center uh, opened its Dallas location, and they were looking for a therapist to um, to to work work for them. And I had a little bit of of um, eating disorder. Uh, experience working at another program in my internship. So anyway, I, I applied and they brought me on and it turned out that I really, really enjoyed working with eating disorders. Um, the people that struggle from eating disorders typically are very intelligent, very sensitive. Um, I get to witness um, more emotional intensity in the course of a day than I think most people would in the course of a year. So it just turned out to be a really good fit for me. I really enjoy working with people with eating disorders. Okay. Could you tell us a little bit more about the eating disorders that you work with? We often hear about anorexia and those kind of things. But could you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Absolutely. So I think that it's a little bit of a misnomer that people with eating disorders are anorexic. That's actually one of the smallest percentage of eating disorders that we actually see come into treatment, or even if not coming into treatment, it's 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 a very small percentage of people um, that have eating disorders that actually are anorexic. 
Um, I would say um, the most common eating disorder is binge eating disorder. Um, as just as far as percentages goes, you're going to have a higher percentage of people struggling with binge eating disorder. Um, under that would be bulimia, um, meaning that people with bulimia, um, they binge eat and compensate in some way, and it does not necessarily mean self-induced vomiting, and which is another misnomer. Um, you can compensate for food ingested in, in a lot of different ways. Some people abuse laxatives. Some people uh, abuse exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, some, I mean, there are more ways to to compensate for 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 a binge than just kind of like fingers down the throat, um, and then there's anorexia. Um, a lot of times people tr- start out trying to be anorexic um, because our world, our society, um, you know, kind of puts that on a pedestal. You know, are you not? Are you dieting? Of course you are dieting. That's what you should be doing. Everyone is dieting, trying to manipulate their weight and shape in some way. Right. Um, and then when you can't keep up with that, because surprise, your body needs food. Um, people resort to binging and then feel so guilty they compensate through self-induced vomiting or purging in some way. And then the, the another one that I wanted to mention today is um, orthorexia, mm-hmm. which actually isn't in the DSM, um, but it is um, a, a form of an eating disorder where people are so healthy, so kind of like clean eating, farm to table, all organic, all raw, um, a lot of times, um, when you have an eating disorder, if a little bit of something is good, a lot of it must be better. Right. They kind of have a, a bit of a obsessive, a lot of overlap between obsessive compulsive and eating disorder stuff going on. Okay. Um, and they can't, they kind of can't keep that in check. So they'll start, you know, you know what, I think I might want to just eat organic. And then before you know it, there's three things that they can eat. Huh. And it's, and it's a very restrictive, all very clean eating sort of, of approach to to eating that is not based in moderation at all. So um, those would be the main things that I'm seeing right now. So so you said binge eating is the most common. Can you tell me what you mean by binge eating? Sure. So binge eating disorder is the most recent diagnosis to actually make it into the diagnostic manual. Uh, The DSM-5 is what we use now, as you know. Um, And um, it's basically when a, a person will eat more than would be typically appropriate in a a certain amount of time, um, even though they're not very, they're not, they're not listening to their body. They're not um, eating intuitively. So you know, somebody might not be hungry, but there's still a tendency to binge because it actually does something for them. It's not, it's not about the food anymore. It's not about hunger fullness cues. It's about the fact just that we've all heard the term comfort food, right? Right. So when eating becomes your main source of comfort and you don't have a lot of other things in your world to help give you a sense of comfort, then it turns you, you turn to food as the only comfort you have. And, and typically you'll turn out to just, if you only have that as a source of comfort, then you'll be binging. And those are the folks that don't use any compensatory behaviors. They, they feel shame. They typically eat in secret. They're, um, you know, they, there's a desire to not use food hmm. as a sense of comfort. Okay. Um, but by the time they realize this is a problem, a lot of times that's such a habit they have to reach out and get some support and some help to stop that. And I had a question for those that didn't know what a bulimic, uh, what bulimia, bulimia is. Could you explain what that is? Sure, absolutely. So um, it is very similar to the binge eating disorder that we just talked about, but there is some sort of compensatory behavior in there. They compensate for the food ingested through um, 
you know, the most common thought of you know, purging behavior is okay. throwing up, okay. um, self-induced vomiting. Okay. Um, but you can also be technically, quote unquote, bulimic um, okay. when, you know, going to see a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, you know, when, when, we, when we sit down and diagnose a person who has disordered eating, we're looking for a binge followed by some sort of compensation for that binge. Okay. Um, so if they're not doing the self-induced vomiting, they might be go hitting the gym and working out like for five hours. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll hear, I'll, I'll see a patient or I'll, I'll assess a potential patient and I'll say, so how often do you work out? Some days a week. What happens if you don't work out? Life's not okay. And what are you doing when you, when you go work out? You know, I, I do, um, you know, an hour and a half of cardio. I do, do some weight, some weightlifting and some strength training. Then I might take a spin class. So it's, again, it takes a moderate thing because eating healthy is, right. is, a, is a good thing for us. And exercise is a good thing for us. But taking it out of moderation right. becomes very problematic to a person's, you know, stability and health. Okay. So what myths and stereotypes persist um, about people with eating disorders? So I really like this question, um, and I have two main ones okay. um, in prepping for this, this uh, <laughs> podcast today. I was thinking about that question. It's a really good one. The first is, is it's not a choice. Hmm. People don't wake up one morning and say, I would like to have an eating disorder today. Well, well, let me Google how I do that. It's not a choice. Yeah. Um, it helps. It's a way to manage emotional discomfort. Some people get to a place where they realize that their messed up relationship with food helps them tolerate life. The fact that life is scary and annoying and lonely and aggravating. And by the time they realize like, oh, this thing that's helping me is actually problematic, it's got them. Mm. And it's, that's a rough moment. You know, it's, it's a heartbreaking moment to sit with somebody and say, you know what, just, I know that you've been, that been, been doing this thing just because it, 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 it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Mine isn't a duck. I'm like, I'm sorry, friend. It is. Yours is a duck, too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's heartbreaking to watch. The other point I would like to make is you can't look at somebody and tell if they have an eating disorder. It doesn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. um, for a very long time, people thought that eating disorders were a young, white woman's upper middle class, young sort of thing. And it is not. It doesn't discriminate. Um, it, you can have any skin color, color skin and have an eating disorder. You can be any age. I've worked with 70 year olds mm. that have had an eating disorder for the majority of their life. Mm. Um, men and women can both have it. So, you know, you got to just dispel that myth that you can kind of look at, like, look at a skinny white girl and think she's got an eating disorder because it is so much more than that. So you've mentioned a lot of people that can have eating disorders. So. Mm -hmm. That means there are a lot of people that are going to have friends, family members, et cetera, that may have problems. If I found out that I had someone close to me that had an eating disorder, how could I support them? Sure. So what we say a lot in treatment of eating disorders is it's not about the food. You know, people think that, well, you know, it's it should be easy for you just to not have an eating disorder. Just eat or just stop eating or just stop purging. But a, a, a way to really help somebody that you're worried might have disordered eating or an eating disorder is ask them about how they're doing emotionally because that's what it's about. You know, like, are how are you doing with this life transition? How are you doing with this breakup? How are you doing with, you know, this the end of semester exams? You know, how are you doing with having to move to a different hometown you know town and, and all the so like 
if you think somebody might be suffering from an eating disorder, the first thing to do is to not say, I see that you're not eating, or I see that you're eating too much, or I've seen that your weight is shifting up or down. Don't even touch that. That's, that's a shameful way to approach somebody, and even though it's meant in a, in, a, in a way, in an attempt to help. More focus on, how are you doing? Like, how, how are you feeling right now, just in, in emotionally in your life? And then, and then you can also call someone like me. Um, a lot of times when you have a friend or a dad or a, a significant other, um, it, the emotional connection is too, too intimate mm. to say, you know, to say, how are you, how are you doing? I, I might not want to open up to somebody that I really can care about, but people don't know me and they'll open up to me. And, and, that, and that's the way a therapist relationship kind of should be, at least at the beginning. Like I am an unbiased unjudging ear to kind of hear your story and say, sounds like you really might be struggling with just some disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be hopefully helpful to open up to not have that over or very intimate relationship when you walk into a therapist's office or a psychiatrist's office. You can hopefully open up because there's not that those emotional um, strings already connected there. So tell us about a successful patient that is managing their um, symptoms well. Um, so I actually have been in touch very recently with a previous, uh, patient client of mine. Um, we kind of use those terms interchangeably, either client or patient, depending on who you are and where you're working. Um, but she, she actually sent me an email, um, recently saying, um, you know, Kirsten, I, I've learned so much and I'm in recovery now. I'm doing well and I've I've learned some things and I want to kind of share these, these with you. Um, one thing she said to me, and I think it might be, you know, personal or for you, is that that she had been through trauma and that it was the best teacher for her. Um, that she took what she had been through and used it as, and, and I know that not everybody can can do that at first because you have to you have to hurt, you have to mourn. Um she was able, after she did her hard work, was able to look back at, the, at what she had been through and um, and said that this was the best teacher. Trauma has been the best teacher for me. So I was really proud of her. Other couple of things she said that I was re- thought was really, really important was, do you got to be honest? You got to yeah. speak the truth. Yeah. When we first started working together, she, 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 was, she didn't want to really open up to me because she she was really scared of me. Um, and I don't get that cause I'm the nicest person, but, but people, people tell me like, yeah, I was intimidated by you the first time I met you. I'm like, I don't know why I just care so much. Um, uh, but, but she, she pushed through that and she got into vulnerability and she exposed things and, and, and spoke, uh, spoke about her, her fear and discomfort. And, and she, she still practices that truth today. She's like, if you're not being truthful, yeah. you are doing yourself a disservice. And then another thing, and I'll, I'll just, I'll kind of wrap up that, that answer to that question is, is that she said, you've got to celebrate your small victories. Mm-hmm. So the little things that she was like at the time, because a lot of people with, with eating disorders have a lot of self-hatred and a lot of self-criticism. Um, and they don't want to give themselves credit for the small victories. One thing she learned was, you got to let yourself celebrate. The small victories end up being the big victories. Um, So I was just so proud of her. Yeah. So how can people find out more about you and your work? Um, Well, um, I'm happy to... 
give you guys contact information. I don't know if it's appropriate to do it right here, but I also have a Psychology Today profile. I'm working on getting a website up in the very near future, prob probably, hopefully. Okay. Um, and yeah. Okay. Let so let's say hypothetically, I have a disorder and I need help. Okay. Okay. Help me, please. How would I contact you? A friend tells me like, oh, I know someone that knows someone. Mm -hmm. So what information would that friend give me that was comfortable to reach you? Um, so I, I've gotten plenty of referrals that way. Just people say, you know what? I know this person. She specializes in treatment of eating disorder. Okay. She, um, she is a non-judgmental, non-biased, kind of just kind of comfortable person. Look her up, Kirsten Rapstein, okay. and you can find me. Okay, I like that. Look her up, guys. Well, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you again My for pleasure. interviewing with The Health Show. I'm beyond grateful, myself and Mr. Dr. Kim. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Well, thank you so much, um, and stay tuned. Looking for a great nutritionist? Look no further. Malak Sadie is registered and licensed dietitian, specialized in eating disorders, intuitive eating, and culture diversity. She works with children, adolescents, and adults. Malak is also certified intuitive eating counselor, health at every size advocate, and body positive facilitator, incorporating each skill into individualized sessions. If you can't make it into the office, she provides online sessions as well. Right now, she's offering a special discount for the Health Show listeners. $25 off your first session when you use the code HELPSHOW. So schedule your session today with Malak. And that number is 517-897-0921. And don't forget that code. Help show. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Um, she is a registered dietitian, and her name is Malak Sadie. Say, Sadie? Let me help you remember this. Okay. <laughs> a little bit easier. So I came up with a little rhyme, and mm -hmm. it goes something like this. So yakety yak, uh -huh. her name is Malak. Don't talk back. Well, yes, ma'am, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Malak. I will. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you for that little that remind. I like that. Don't talk back. Okay, Malak. <laughs> well, Malak, thank you, um, thank you, thank you. We call that the TTT at the Help Show. We're beyond grateful and humble that you have taken the time to interview with the Help Show to spread awareness about um, eating disorders. Um, I think it's very important for people to understand. Um, how you can have an eating disorder and you don't have to be a particular size to have an eating disorder. So I'm going to let you do your professional thing and we're going to start with these questions. And so we're going to start off, you know, tell us, tell us about yourself and how you found um, the field of nutrition. Sure. So I wanted to become a dietitian my junior year in high school. Um, my, um, I'm Lebanese, and so I grew up in a household and a culture that was surrounded by food. Um, and I remember being very young and just um, 
you know, seeing my grandmother cook and just being so interested in like how food brought um, our families together. It was a, it was always there in times of happiness and sorrow and joy and celebration. Yeah. Um, and I love to talk. Mm -hmm. And so what better way than to talk about food and educate um, people. Um, and so that's how I kind of decided to become a dietitian. Um, and so I really attribute like my family and my culture as to a huge reason um, why I'm here. Oh, wow. Super, super cool. Okay. So what is the biggest myth about dieting? So one of the things I think that there's a lot of misconceptions is that dieting works um, and that there's like good foods and bad foods. And I completely disagree with that. Um, the dieting industry is a $66 billion industry. That's crazy. $66 yes. billion. Yikes. <laughs> and then the craziest part is like oftentimes is when people engage in dieting behaviors, uh -huh. they either regain the weight um, and really mess up their metabolism. And so just overall, it creates this unhealthy relationship with food, mm -hmm. um, the same way as kind of labeling foods as like good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, and so... We just kind of, my, I'm a huge um, believer in a non-diet mentality and a health at every size. Okay. And so that no matter what somebody's shape, body size, um, is that they can be at a healthy, at a healthy place. So not, not being judgmental about somebody's um, physical attributes. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my philosophy and also like why it's not necessary to engage in any of the dieting behaviors. Um, it just leads into a, a very vicious cycle of deprivation, um, shame and guilt, and mm -hmm. then um, overeating or um, compensation huh. for, for that restricting patterns. Right, right. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, it's like telling out the question. It's not That's like okay. on the questionnaire, Tiffany's going to kill me. <laughs> but the question I have is that um, what about this whole thing? this keto diet what's going on right now because I'm yes. kind of dibbling and dabbling in that um tell me do you know anything a little bit about the keto diet yeah so that's a great question um because it does actually like with new year's and coming with new year's just happening I should say um everybody is like encouraging that diet kind of mentality and keto is right now one of the top things that are people are yes. trying to sell yeah. um and I strongly disagree with it because putting your body into ketosis is something very dangerous and scary huh. um, and restricting a certain restricting food groups um, is not beneficial and eating low carb high protein high fat diets mm -hmm. is not um, it's not appropriate because you're not getting the nutrients that you that we need hmm. um, our body our primary source of energy is carbohydrates right and it's the same way like a car a car needs gas to run and if our bodies don't have carbohydrates mm -hmm. it's going to start to break down um, our uh, muscles in okay. our body and that process is really really deadly and can be toxic hmm. um, and so it's a really dangerous thing and ultimately it's not something that you can do long term okay. um, and so I think any diet that provides like any quick and fast results is not something that's realistic and that's also why um, Coming, I'm an intuitive eating. I'm a certified intuitive eating coach. Okay. And I really um, advocate for that intuitive eating. So honoring your body's needs. Okay. Based upon what, like listening to our body, um, 
And once we do that, mm -hmm. we're be better able to nourish and, and heal it. So, Because I was really curious about that. So there are there any diets that you suggest that you like, that, that a person could be on that would be, a, you know, a, a sure. good diet? Do you sure. have any suggestions? So I really, I honestly, I, I wouldn't say that there is any any diet specifically. If I were, if you were to come into my office, I would include an all foods fit approach or like a philosophy that okay. there's no good or bad foods, mm -hmm. but it's all about how do you incorporate it in variety, balance, and moderation. Okay. Um, this so. is good. Tiffany's gonna kill me, but that's okay. I love, it. <laughs> I love it. So, how does a poor diet impact mental health? So kind of actually going back to like what we were talking about in, in regards to dieting behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, our brain is primarily um, composed of, of fat. Okay. And when we're restricting a certain nutrient, um, our brain literally begins to shrink. And when it starts to shrink, the frontal cortex is uh, becomes harder to process those emotions and those feelings and those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so just because somebody may look like that they're at a like healthy or normal weight um, doesn't mean that they're not malnourished. Huh. And if they're malnourished, then the therapeutic aspect um, might not be, it won't work as well um, because the brain can't process those feelings and emotions and that's why we would engage in maladaptive behaviors. Huh. So a proper diet is um, very important to somebody's recovery and well-being um, yeah, overall well-being. So would a proper diet, would that would that include a lot of water intake? Absolutely. Because I was reading, like, if whatever weight you are, you, you need to drink, like, 67%. Um, well, it's, like, if I was, like, 180 times 67%, mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. drink that many ounces of water. Sure. Is that true? Yeah, so you definitely, I mean, <laughs> like, your body really, like, it's primarily, it's, like, made up of fluids. And um, water is, is an, an, an very important part of, your diet just the same way as moving our bodies yeah. as well um i really hate the term of like exercise because it kind of sounds very like militant in a sense uh -huh. but just moving your body joyfully and mindfully um so moving your body water and food are all integral parts okay um, of it okay and so um what are the biggest barriers to eating right i think social media and googling things and um it's really i'm up against a tough crowd you know like you can um a lot of people may call themselves like nutritionists right um and sometimes with if somebody does call themselves a nutritionist it's important to know that sometimes they may not have had the um, background and education that we do as registered dietitians right. so there is a big difference actually I just saw on Groupon you can go and you can pay $35 to become like a it's like a nutritionist class don't believe it no don't believe the hype don't <laughs> go on there I'm do not <laughs> doing it find yourself a registered dietitian that's what the RD stands for after my name right. um, and it's yeah it's really important that you know that you're like where you're getting your information is a credible source. But I think the comparison aspects um, on social media um, are can really lead to like a spiraling. Um, you have to be careful with this social media. Oh my goodness, you cannot. It's so hard. Oh, it's just like the dieting, 
the fake dieting, mm-hmm. people with the surgeries. Yes. Like, oh my God, eat this and you'll lose 10 pounds. Drink this tea. Like, oh. girl, don't believe the hype. Don't drink their tea. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> scary. Like, it's so, yeah. Man, like, when I see these, because I, I'm not gonna say I diet. Sure. But I really try my best to eat right. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. I'm a I'm a huge advocate of like cooking my own meals, using um olive oil when I cook, sure. coconut oil, like I'm very cognizant about the things I put in my food mm-hmm. as well as what I put in my mouth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so um I just think dieting and is all about being mindful. That's mm-hmm. how I look at absolutely. it. Absolutely. And not like overeating, like I was also looking at um, an article saying how, um, from 1920 to now, mm-hmm. how the food portion has changed. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, we're supposed to be eating from a tapas style, right? Like a tapas, like a portion of meal. Now, we're eating, like, three tapas, which the tapas are, like, those serving plates. Mm-hmm. And so, we're eating, like, three serving plates. Am I, is that right? Is that wrong? Is yeah. that... So I mean, I definitely think that the portion some at some places some of the portions can be like very misleading. Yeah. Um, and I can and it can cause that sense to maybe to overeat. But I think most importantly, it's kind of going back to like that sense of intuitive eating. Yeah. So when you're honoring those hunger cues, and then okay. you're also feeling the fullness. Okay. And like being aware, hey, I'm hungry, so this portion right now is appropriate for me. Right. Um, and then also knowing like kind of when to stop too. Like, hmm. my role for you, like, as your dietitian, I want to help rebuild that relationship with food. Okay. I want it to become more that, like, food is there to nourish me, not that it's good or bad or allowed or not allowed. So, basically, food is my friend, not my enemy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's my friend. Yes. Okay, that watermelon is over there. It's my friend. Those yes. grapes are too honey. They're my friend. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's, and that's the, the problem, not the problem, the question that I have, because of the, the food consumption has been, is so largely enhanced. Mm-hmm. Does that call? Is that like a trigger to having food disorders? Absolutely. Or like you know what you know being brought up. I gotta eat my whole plate. Now the plate is three times as you know its yeah. size. Well, there's also the aspect too of like, um, I mean, overeating can is definitely can be linked to like emotional eating. You yeah. know, and like that we're trying to instead of coping with emotion, mm-hmm. we're using food to help kind of soothe us. Yeah. So with eating disorders, there's definitely different spectrums mm-hmm. um, of it, and that feeling of that loss of control can mm-hmm. lead to the sense of like overeating. Um, and yeah, so I think it's mostly just being it's the sense of awareness, really, mm-hmm. what it kind of comes down to, which is really really hard um, and can be tough to do. So. Um, Okay, and so tell us about a successful patient that has incorporated their treatment into their lifestyle. So tell I, me a really good story, like a good story. <laughs> well, the, when I was reading kind of the question, the first thing that kind of came to mind was I had a client recently, and I some uh, I go out to restaurants with my clients. Okay. Because. Um, Sometimes it's not, again, it's really sometimes not about the food. It's about eating in public. It could be the social anxieties, um, acknowledging that you're going to eat like what you just ordered. Um, And so we went out and they decided um, there was a Muya right next door. And I was like, you know what? I love Muya. I know. And their milkshakes are delicious. Oh my goodness. So I just kind of threw it out and I was like, hey, why don't we, you know, go across the street and let's grab a milkshake. And that anxiety just, you could feel 
the anxiety building. Huh. And in that moment, you know, we're just, I was trying to keep on that conversation and right. we get to the, you know, cashier, we order the drink and mm-hmm. um, we get it. And it's like kind of that moment of like, am I going to drink this or am I not? And they took that first sip and you could just feel that sense of like, oh my gosh, why was I, like, why was I restricting this? Right. This was so good. Oh my gosh, I remember when I was a kid and this, all these positive, like, memories started to flood. Right. And there was a sense of excitement. Right. In that sense of giving themselves permission hmm. to eat that food. And oh, wow. Like, the, the anxiety and just, I'm getting goosebumps just talking <laughs> about it. Um, But it was just a really cool moment to witness. And yeah. To be able to to support them and that was I mean I'm very honored and humbled so oh wow um, that's super awesome yeah I have a question yeah. which is not on here that's she, okay. Tiffany gonna kill me she be like not, not in it I'm gonna be like I know I know I'm supposed to follow directions um the question that I have is let's say someone um is eating what do you call it when you nibble and eat cookies and um, like grazing? N- grazing, but you eat all the time. It starts with a B, like binge eating. Binge eating. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Do? How do you help that person? They're binge eating a lot. Like, you know, obviously there's some type of depression mm-hmm. going on yeah. because that's where they're eating. And so, what advice would you give someone that is binge eating that's trying to get back onto a diet into a healthier place, um, mentally and physically? Absolutely. So. With binge, um, with binge eating, there's sometimes there's a sense of like needing to again eat to soothe an emotion. Okay. So the first thing is really kind of identifying. Well, maybe not the first thing, but one of the things is to identify: is it emotional hunger versus physical hunger? Okay. Emotional hunger will like hit you really fast. I have to have that specific food. I can't wait. I need to have it, and this is the only thing that will kind of satisfy me. Okay. Whereas physical hunger comes on. Hey, it's twelve o'clock. It's time for lunch. If I really had to wait, I could wait. Yeah. So being able to differentiate kind of between yeah. the two. Okay. Um, and then really not like uh, giving yourself the permission to eat the foods that you want. Because, okay. again, any sort of deprivation or restricting right. really causes this, like, vicious cycle of restricting and then shame and then guilt and then overeating and then going trying to... But bed. what they're eating, like, all the time, like, at night, get up, eating a cookie, like, binge eating, like, every, like, every time you see them, they have something in their mouth. Yeah. And, and then there's, I mean, I think that they're obviously, like, you... You want to just make sure that medically that they're okay. Okay. Um, again, again, it doesn't mean that because somebody is in a larger body means that their health isn't um, right. Right. Is, is not appropriate. Um, but it's it's kind of like bring it back to like what is that food coping? What is that food soothing for? You? Like what is it? Yeah, soothing. Um, how is it helping you in that okay. moment? Um, because there's so much more than just the food itself. Right. It's, you know, with eating disorders, there's they're very co-occurring because there's always the anxiety or depression or yeah. low self-esteem. And so how am I going to cope with those things? I'm going to use food or binging or purging or yes. la- whatever it may be. Yes. And so if we can kind of get to the root cause of it with like the de- like if it is de- the depression or anxiety okay. or low self-esteem and working mm-hmm. on their self-worth. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's a root cause to it. And then there just might be different outlets that they're engaging in. I mean, I think 
eating disorders has one of the highest mortality rates of any other psychological disorder. Mm. Um, and there's so much shame and taboo around yeah. mental health just in general. And then yeah. eating disorders, I feel like even more. Um, you know, it does not discriminate based upon age, gender, it does not. sex, um, yeah. ethnicity, religion, and... Um, it's something that really needs to be talked about. And I'm so grateful that you guys are doing this um, to really help spread the awareness. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I'm glad that you, that you're interviewing for the show. Look, I've been barred. Look, I'm a barred in her office. (laughs) It was like, I need this interview. (laughs) And she's so nice. She let me do it. Of course. Thank you. I love what I do. I truly, truly love what I do. And um, I'm so grateful. I'm like so grateful for Malak. You're amazing. Yeah. Oh, you're, thank you're you. totally. You're. She's amazing. Thank so, you. So we're getting ready to close out this interview. Cool. Um, one more question: How can people find you um, in your work? So that's like your Instagram, your Facebook, your number that you can give out. Like, sure. if I need to find you, Malak. <clears throat> Tell me how to find you. All right. <laughs> awesome. So my website is a good place to kind of start, and that's um, malaksadyrd.com. Um, and then you can also find me on my Instagram, and that's msadyrd. Um, kind of see a theme here going on. Okay. Um, but then also, if you're looking um, to get in touch with me, my phone number is probably the best way. Okay. Um, and that is 517 mm-hmm. Zero nine two one, um, and yeah, I think those are like the best ways. I like it. Okay, for those that can't spell, because I'm a bad speller. Yeah, how would I you spell, spell it? Spell, awesome. spell your your name on your Instagram because people are more prone nowadays to just to go to your Instagram. Yeah, and check it out. Yeah, and then honestly, that has a link anyways to my website. Okay, so my Instagram handle is m s a d d y r d. Okay, that's, that's easy. I can remember that. <laughs> Don't talk back. <laughs> so, Malaka, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out um, to interview with The Help Show. We appreciate you so, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you guys for listening. Did you like the interviews? I loved it. It made me think a lot about, you know, my own struggles with weight loss and trying to keep a healthy weight and and patients, well, it's patients I've worked with over time. Okay, and so, you know, have you being a male, I don't want to say that men don't diet, but, but do men diet? Have you ever dieted? Have you ever tried dieting? Absolutely. One of the things we didn't talk about was, I mean, the fact that I've dieted, but also men are very, um, very commonly have eating disorders. So if you think about many times, a lot of your elite swimmers, many times you're trying to stay in a certain weight range, you also find boxers that try to stay in a, a weight range. I actually had a mentor that used to work with, you know, elite professionals and soldiers who also struggle with weight as well, um, because you have weigh-ins as well. So you find a lot of people, males, that have eating disorders but often don't get diagnosed. And you know what, thinking about in sports, I don't know the proper word, but those are um, that they ride the horses. What are they called? Um, jockeys. Jockeys. Do you think jockeys have? Because you have to be a certain way to be on a horse. A lot of jockeys have eating disorders. Huh. Yeah, m- many, of your, many of your elite athletes where weigh-ins are critical, wrestlers, for example, you find a lot of those guys have eating disorders. Huh. Makes you do research on boxers, all these famous boxers. Hmm. <laughs> That's very interesting. So, you know, with the interviews that we that we had, um, especially with Kirsten, um, I 
found it very interesting that you don't have to be a certain weight to be a bulimic or to have an eating disorder. You know, when you think about people with eating disorders, you think about someone extremely small, extremely tiny. And, you know, you don't have to be extremely tiny to have an eating disorder. I never really, in that whole perspective, I never really thought about that. I would, that's me being really biased. In fact, a lot of your you know, folks that have bulimia, especially women, are often normal weight. And sometimes are actually a little bit overweight. It's just that they have binging and purging behaviors. They eat more food than you would expect at a sitting. And then sometimes they regurgitate it or exercise excessively or use laxatives. They do all kinds of things to get rid of the weight. And I was thinking about Oprah, and I was thinking about Brandy, which she just came out. I think after her, after the baby weight, she got extremely small. Um, um, what's her name? Carrie Washington, um, Miss Janet Jackson. You know, these kind of people. You think about it, being in the public eye. Now I'm thinking, why wouldn't they not have an eating disorder? And I hate to say, like, you know, they they should. But all that pressure that a person has on them to, to look a certain way, to be a, to be a certain way, that pressure itself, you know. It's a lot of pressure over an extended period of time that really gets people into a place that's, that's very difficult. But, you know, the most important thing, you know, for I think folks to take away is if you look at all psychiatric disorders, eating disorders is actually the most dangerous of all. In fact, anorexia kills more people than any other single psychiatric um, disorder per capita. And so, you know, having these things aren't just kind of passing fads or people just eating a little bit strangely, but sometimes it can have very lethal consequences. You know, when I was um, interviewing with Malak, um, we were discussing that the diet industry is a $66 billion industry. That's that's crazy. That's almost like the hair industry. <laughs> you know, things to be beautiful. How they grow the industry, like the peels, the... Um, the oh, you want okay. you, can, you can do your keto diet. You can do all other kinds of strange things. It's when it becomes to the point where it's not helpful and it's doing negative things to you that becomes a problem. You know what? When um, Malak and I were talking, we spoke about um, ex having anxiety when eating food, which I didn't think that you could have an anxiety eating food. And then also she spoke about giving yourself permission to eat. And so these are things you, when you, like, when I, let's say I get a scoop of ice cream, I would never think about having anxiety or even giving myself a permission to eat. And so this uh, eating disorder, after you know learning from yourself and Kirsten and learning from Malak, um, um, it's really a, it's really a disorder. Like it's, I mean, I don't mean to say it's, it's really a disorder, but it's I didn't know it was this much of a, a disorder. I didn't know this many people died from eating disorders. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 was, I think about a young lady I used to work with who. If she were eating a spoonful of peanut butter, she would probably panic. She could go near a donut and she would have a severe anxiety attack. Her heart rate would go up. And that was just from being in the same space with the food and not necessarily eating it. So a lot of these can become extremely debilitating for people. Most definitely. You know, what I can say about, I really want to educate myself more about eating disorders. And I'm going to make it away from my 2019 goal is to get myself out there and 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 learn more about the eating disorders and come and harass and talk to you about it and talk to Kirsten and talk to um, uh, Malak and and just to know more about eating disorders. Because when people, 
you know, ask me about it because we are the help show. I want to be able to, you know, send them to the right direction and give them some, some valuable information. It's an incredibly important topic, and I'm glad we got a chance to discuss it today. I, you know what, I, I think so too. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm still appalled about this whole eating disorder thing, but I want to say thank you for, you know, going on this journey of learning about eating disorders and um, thank you for listening, guys.